When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to a Tuesdays here at Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbold is in. He has got Spanish finals. He has got what else you got going? You got to do a paper. Yeah, I got to do a paper for my uh, my scripts in production class. So all we do is like read plays all semester and analyze them. Uh huh. So that sucks. so uh, death of a salesman. Is that what you're working on? Uh, no, we had this really weird one today. It was like. I, I, I like some of the stuff in that play. I, I can't talk about over the air. It just oh really? It's yeah, one of those. It's like, it's like a brutal play to read. Okay. That, that was how he's like. Oh, gonna give you guys an interesting one to end the semester. And I'm like, I'm not sure if we have the same <laughs> definition of interesting. Actually. <laughs> oh, well, you have to tell me. Uh, you have to tell me during the commercial just how uh, freakish you, the way you've set it up is. It's it's not something that that is comfortable reading. No, not particularly. It's about like a war zone if like war came to England. Ah, uh, I gotcha. So there's okay, some so brutal stuff in there. Yeah, fine. There we go. So, uh, Cheery we, way to start off the show. Yeah, <laughs> we, we will talk uh, some Nebraska football with Mitch Sherman from The Athletic. Mitch going to be with us at 425. Plenty of uh, thoughts from Coach Chenander and Coach Lubick on the offense and defense. The topic du jour has been second half scoring or not second half scoring if you're the black shirts so we'll get into that rick pizzo big 10 buffet in one hour and then uh, a good sit down with uh former nebraska assistant coach ron brown he is uh, director of player development and uh, does uh, just a wonderful job uh off the field nebraska so can't wait to talk with coach get his take on what a insane season it's been not just with COVID and all the young kids that are playing ball, it's a different and new time in their life, balancing school and reps and practice and then getting on the field. So we'll talk with Ron Brown here at 525. Can join us today, 466-3776-466-3776-1-800-825-5865, numbers to get in. You can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com and find us and follow us on Twitter, Chris Schmidt at Schmidt underscore radio or at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. So there's a really cool video that is out uh, with Nebraska football on social media, the football program publishing uh, on social media uh, are really cool. And, and I would liken this to the Big Ten journey that's award winning that you see on BTN. And it was pretty personal insight 
And uh, the cameras were rolling, but it didn't look... I'm not saying the kids didn't know that cameras were rolling. There's always cameras rolling. And Elijah, you know this, working with Husker Vision like you do. But it wasn't staged or set up. It was just pretty organic that was captured on camera. And in, in today's social media age, where you have Facebook and you have Twitter and you have Instagram and, and other platforms, but those are your main ones, I mean, that that really makes an impact. I mean, that's all my kids on. I sound old and get off my lawn, and I'm not trying to be, but they are glued to that attention-getting snippet. I mean, it's it's there, man. It's It's moth and flame-like, right? And... It's done beautifully well by Nebraska Athletics and the video production with Husker Vision. And, I mean, I don't know how many views by now. There's two social media moments from Lane Kiffin and it'll miss from the weekend where Kiffin's – Lane's put on a little bit of LBs, and that's okay. You get fat and happy in your mid-40s. It happens to the best of us. But Lane chucked his playbook up in the air that's now being auctioned off for charity because he immediately uh, knew a, a touchdown was coming because the coverage was right, the play call was perfect, and you had a score fest between Ole Miss and South Carolina before Will Muschamp got shown the door. And that thing was just viral, and, and Kiffin's good at that. So's the Pirate. Where Kiffin's playbook, he's racing down the sideline, throwing his playbook up in the air, almost trying to stay step for step with his all-American wide receiver. And then somebody superimposed the uh, the fight scene, the legendary fight scene between the giant chicken and Peter Griffin from Facebook or <laughs> from uh, from that. Family Guy. But they superimposed a cartoon picture of Lane, his face on Peter Griffin, because Lane's looking more like Peter Griffin. Uh, around the waistline. And and that was pretty funny. Nebraska went a little more serious. And this is really cool. This is Adrian Martinez. This is your captain, Nebraska fans. This is your teammate uh, to the 150 guys that, that practice every day with him. And we, we kind of hit on it going into Saturday and throughout last week. If it is Luke, how is it going to be handled by pro-Adrian guys, and and really there was not a, a faction or a hashtag Team Adrian or a hashtag Team Luke. It was hashtag Team Nebraska because Nebraska truly handled it the right way and the support was there, and it's all right to say in front of TV cameras and microphones, well, we're a family or, yeah, we've got each other's back, but to, to truly do it when you either lose your job or you're beaten out, and that happens in life, and it sucks, but it's about how you respond. And are you as stand-up a guy as you claim to be when things are going great? What happens when adversity hits? And just listen to this. How long is this? About a minute? Uh, only about 40 seconds. Okay. About 40 seconds of Adrian Martinez as the team captain before they head out the tunnel. And this is Adrian Martinez being the kid you wanted to bring cross-country to your football team because of his maturity. Don't want you guys to forget we're a family. You know what I mean? We're a family. No matter what happens, no matter who's out there, we support each other. 
We're going to keep that energy today. Everyone who's not in, who is in, we're going to bring it. I got a great feeling. No matter what happens, ups and downs, keep your head up. No more head down on the sideline, none of that bullshit. We're here for each other. For each other. That's what it's about, man. That's what we're going to remember. Can you feel me? Let's do that. Yeah, I know I will be. Because I want to win. You feel me? I want to win. It's not about me. It's not about him. It's about us. Let's not forget that. Pretty cool. Pretty cool moment. And was that taken by Husker Vision? Uh, it's or, is it, yeah. or is, it, is it its own football media department? They have their own. Like it's, uh, one of my friends from Husker Vision got hired by them down this year, but it's like their own little separate. The people who do the Husker football one have their own separate ones. Sure, super talented people doing that. Well, and that hours. was that was like high level, almost documentarian type work, where you got filmage going on, and there's the offensive meeting with freshmen and seniors and former starters and now backups at the one position everyone wants to grow up and play is quarterback. So I thought that was really cool. This is the last part, but it's out on social media. I retweeted that Schmidt underscore radio, and I think Husker football obviously tweeted it out. But this is Coach Frost uh, talking to his guys after a win, and and he's right about (laughs) the rewind part because Saturday felt like a game you've seen a hundred times at Nebraska, but at least it was a different ending if you're a Nebraska fan and the good guys finally won versus, you know, the bad guys coming out on top. And this is Frost moments after the game. I want to know you guys broke, you broke attendance. How many of you guys have been here and that felt like a rewind? It felt like a replay. Yep. Okay. I told you guys, all we have to do is win one and get over the hump. Start learning how to win. That says a lot, man, where you've got a number of guys and it's not the seniors' fault in this program. It's what they were kind of born into with transition and departures and firings and administration. And think about Ben Stilley, five years, who recruited him versus what he's seen. I think of Luke Gifford, who's now in the NFL, all he went through. We're talking three staffs, brother, <laughs> from from signing day to who, from who recruited them to signing day to the Riley era to getting Frost in here and then as a senior, you're going 0-6. And, and it, it just had to tear you up. But the, the way you finish, you can be proud of, and you kind of lay a, li- a little bit of a foundation for the next crew. But until it happens on Saturday, you can talk about it all you want. And it, you still need to see that proof of concept. And if you didn't make Saturday happen, if, again, it was a, a rewind or a, a replay I don't know where this team would be this week going into Illinois. Nebraska is a 16-and-a-half-point favorite. They should beat Illinois. And they kind of know what they're getting with Illinois. Guys are going to try and knock your teeth out. But, man, it's it's just different. And this team's not put back-to-back wins together very often. It speaks to just the difficulty of the Big Ten, but it just speaks to just the funk the, the football program's been in for – 20 years 
with just turnover after turnover on the field and off the field with brass and coaches and ADs and and then just mixing and matching different recruiting classes to different philosophies on offense and it's been terrifying for a lot of Nebraska fans and that's why you uh, you were hoping and praying as a Nebraska fan that Saturday came out the right way but after Northwestern a lot of you were just like they're just wake me up when this thing's over because of the year and I can't take it anymore but you know let's hope if you're if you're cheering for Nebraska Saturday can can start that momentum and, and frost has been talking about it. you just heard him say after the game don't ever get used to losing and i think some guys in that locker room were just beaten down so many times throughout their career they don't want it but that's really kind of all they knew in close games or big games or tight games and that's sad but that was the reality so maybe maybe saturday's the start of of flipping it around or that corner that's being turned that you hear coach talk about, maybe that gets them focused and y- you chase that. Think of that, the old Frank the Tank, right? It's so good when it hits your lips, the beer bong scene from old school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he wanted more, and then he went streaking. Well, maybe this is the streaking in, in, a, in a good way, not now it's really cold out there, isn't it, Will Ferrell? moment for Nebraska football with Illinois and Iowa. I mean, there's a lot of season left, but maybe maybe guys they'll they'll chase that that feeling again of, of a win over a team like Penn State. And I know they're over, but I'm saying from a talent level, you're not going to go up against many better dudes from an athleticism standpoint, Elijah, than you faced in the first three weeks. Mm-hmm. You'll still Iowa's going to be a son of a bee. They're going to be tough. Uh, Minnesota has some dudes, okay, on offense. Uh, Illinois, I mean, Lovey's not an idiot with how hard his guys hit. You still got to go play Illinois. So it's out there for Nebraska. They got a win to build on, and that's going to be key. Yeah, and I want to take this back to what we heard from Urban Meyer yesterday about the uh, the three things that teams that are struggling, uh, what the, the symptoms may be. And one of them he said was uh, a lack of trust in coaches, a lack of trust from the coaches and the players, or a, a lack of trust between players and other players. Trust, dysfunctional work environment, selfishness. Yeah, so I, I want to start with the trust. Um, because whenever you're in a losing environment like the Huskers have been in, you heard Scott say, well, we're not going to accept losing around here anymore. And, and whenever you're accustomed yeah, to you losing, lose. <laughs> yeah, when, when, I mean, whenever you're, you're two years in and the team's accustomed to losing, you, you reach that point in the game where Penn State starts driving and, and you start not trusting the guys around you. Whenever you said, how many times we've we been here before and how many times have we blown this? You, you can still be playing your heart out, but if you don't trust those guys next to you, it, it's not going to be it's enough. It's a self thing. You're going to have self-doubt. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what this, this, uh, this post-game speech I took away from it was he, he's still flipping that culture. He's still making sure the guys know that this, I mean, even just beating Penn State and coming down to the wire, it's a good feeling. Uh, getting the wins, all that matters, but it doesn't mean anything if you don't turn it around and keep it going for next week and keep it going for the week after that. Exactly. This is absolutely thrown out the window if they don't handle mm-hmm. next Saturday. So my mother, I love her dearly, she is flying back from Arizona as we speak, and her layover is in Vegas. So she was asking, do I, do I put a hundy on red? And I'm like, okay, are you talking roulette? Because we can light a $100 bill on fire if you want. 
or are you talking Nebraska? Because let's see where the line goes, because that thing started at 14. It's up to 16 and a half. And that thing will probably float between 14 and, and 17, right? Or 17 and a half. Some people wearing a Colorado hat in the room, not buffs, but some sort of mountain deal. I would, I'm going to go on a limb and say it's a Patagonia hat. Elijah got the hook Sunday, and he got even with us in the steak and the beer bet. So I told mom, you know, it's your money, but I'd, I'd throw 100 down. But do you throw 100 down here and now on Nebraska at 16 and a half to cover the number, or do you take Illinois in the points? I think she's got to wait in Vegas until Thursday. We can talk to Danny Burke. Well, <laughs> we'll talk to the Pride of Chicago for sure, but she is – coming home tonight and i've missed her the last couple of weeks so uh she it's do or die it's it's time right now to make that that wager does nebraska cover or not mitch sherman's coming up we'll talk off-roading with mitch hail varsity continues and we're back fellas you think we could listen to the radio on hail varsity radio presented by the nebraska lottery yes that's awesome Rick Pizzo's coming up. Ron Brown will join us in one hour. We welcome in Mitch Sherman from The Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, what's up? How are you? Hi, I'm doing well. Nice day. Things are good. How about you, Chris? Doing well, man. I got to ask you, and we're going to get to some of the Connor Culp audio here in a bit, but Mitch, have you ever been off-roading? Um, in a pickup? I mean, I've probably driven off the road before, uh, like on some dirt, but not quite like what I imagined Connor Culp described happened to his pickup, especially since it came back with two flat tires. I've been on an ATV before. Right. Yeah. But I'm saying, yeah. like, just buckled in. You got one of those buddies who's got a monster truck, four-wheel drive, dude. and Take it out through the field? Nope, yeah. Never done that. Yeah. Nope. 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 I had nope. I had a wussy pickup in high school that was sweet, but it wasn't a four wheel drive, and it was for looks. Right? It wasn't one of those four wheel drive. Yeah, well, no, no off road. Connor's truck you can do that in because it was so big that it could not fit through the gates of the Cornhusker Marriott parking garage. Is my understanding from what uh, yeah what Connor said today? Which I I. I I kind of want to see this truck now. And as I mentioned during that press conference where he spoke today, that if this had been a normal year, I mean, we would have all been going out in the parking lot to take a look at that truck. I assume sure. he's got the tires, the tires fixed, and and it's good to go. I mean, a truck like that, you're not gonna you're not gonna put that thing in the garage just because it, it went through some off roading and just a little. A little uh, Grand Theft Auto experience. I, I think that truck is probably good to go, and I would would really like to have been able to talk to Connor maybe while he sat in the truck. But yes, uh, unfortunately, we don't get that this year. No, it's it's uh, it's a, it's a difficult year, and I felt super horrible for him. I had a buddy who had a truck ripped off. He was going to Creighton for pharmacy school, and I think they found his truck and his tires had been ripped off. The tires were worth more than his pickup, bless his heart. But I mean, that's that's pretty invasive, and you feel violated, man. Someone rips off your big rig. It's bad. I I I feel for him, but just a little part of me 
I lost a tiny bit of my of my empathy for him when it became clear that he lost the keys. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> this is this was not a situation where the truck got hot wired or somebody stole the keys out of his uh, you know out of his back pocket. Uh, so Connor gets he deserves a, he, he gets a little, a little blame for mm. for what happened. But I mean. Somebody went to some work to find those keys and and then uh, and match them to the truck. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he had uh, he had some kind of. It's an older truck. I mean, he may have had to go around and. Well, who knows? I, I don't. I don't know what the uh, procedure was after after the keys were found. But somebody went to some work to find that truck. Well, let's find the uh, the, the two uh, folks uh, that that reenacted Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And uh, and go code red. Uh, that that would be my worry if I'm the two guys or whoever jumped in and went joyriding. So let's get into some football, Mitch. And you know, Saturday, what do you take away from the win? And and how how much weight do you put on what Nebraska was able to do? I mean, are you are you hung up on the second half? lack of scoring or are you focused on the fact that the defense did what they did in the red zone? How did you kind of parse through Saturday? Uh, I think you got to take away the positives because Nebraska won the game. And, you know, in all the conversations that I had last week about what I expected to happen in that game, I think I probably said 10 times that I I can't pick Nebraska to win a game until it goes out there and does it. And, And Nebraska's had such struggles recently in, in dealing with success, not just in dealing with success after a win, but in dealing with success within a game. So Nebraska had a lot of success in the first half of that game. It's up 21 points at halftime, and there wasn't a feeling around the stadium. I didn't think that like that thing was put away. I, I felt like, hey, Penn State's going to make a charge here. And, it, and if, it, if it had been Illinois or Rutgers, I think I would have felt the same way, that there was going to be a charge made by the by the visitor, just because of the way that Nebraska has dealt with its own success in recent years. So the fact that Nebraska made it through, and it doesn't matter if they made it through by one yard or you know 11 yards, whatever it was at the end of that game with Penn State knocking on the door, a couple red zone trips in the last few minutes, it doesn't matter as long as Nebraska won because now they can build on that and go forward, and they've had that, they've had that experience of having some success and seeing things begin to slip and, and then pull it out at the end. So, you know, like Scott Frost said to his team after the game, that was revealing in, in some of his comments that were posted by Nebraska on social media today, more revealing than, than, than what he said, I thought, in, in his press conferences since then. Uh, he really views this as a chance for Nebraska to, to build and to, to have experienced something that hasn't happened enough for this team. And now moving forward, it should make them better. I think that's what he wholeheartedly believes. It's what he's the message he delivered to his team, and there's there's probably something to uh, to really to really see there. I think I think this team can can use that and, and be better prepared the next time it's up at halftime to uh, to to deal with its own success. Mitch Sherman with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Mitch, the the Husker offense seemed noticeably less uh, efficient. Uh, after halftime when Diedrich Mills uh, left the game because of injury. Uh, Would you say that his uh, missing presence uh, affected the Husker offense, or was it more due to uh, Penn State adjustments or Husker play calling? And then on top of that, do we know Diedrich's status uh, for the game against Illinois this week? Yeah, I haven't made any comments about Diedrich. Um, You know, he went out after the first series, played until the end of that first series, and then 
it was it was Marvin Scott and Wandale Robinson and a little bit of Ronald Tompkins after that. So Nebraska still continued to play well in all phases during the first half with Diedrich on the bench for the most part. I don't think it was his absence that allowed Penn State to come back in the in the third and fourth quarters. Um, the, you know they're going to need him and to, to be healthy sooner rather than later. Um, you know, can Nebraska beat Illinois without Diedrich? Sure, it could also lose to Illinois if if Diedrich's out there. And you start getting down the road to Iowa. I think that's a game where they're they're really going to need him. So, you know, for Nebraska's sake, you hope that's that's a short term thing. Don't don't really have any kind of clarity on what the injury even is. You know, I saw him standing off to the side without his helmet in the second half, and had some some thoughts go through my head if, if he took a took a hard hit, um, if they were worried about a, a concussion. But you know, there's there's been no talk of that. So maybe maybe that wasn't it. But. Um, yeah, they're going to need him. I think more in the in the second half, it had to do with with Penn State getting some momentum right at the beginning, and, and like I said, Nebraska struggling to deal with its own success, and then also the way that Nebraska called the game offensively in the second half. It was conservative by design. Nebraska wanted to work the clock, as Matt Lubick talked about today, as Scott Frost alluded to after the game on Saturday, and you know that that. I, I guess you can't say it backfired because the Huskers won the game, and if they had gone out and been as aggressive in the second half as they were in the first, maybe they lose the game. But there's probably got to be a happy medium there where, where you're, you're able to, uh, to play a little more conservatively but still, uh, but, but still attempt to, to, uh, to move that ball a little more than, than what happened. Those three points in the second half almost were not enough, and it's been a continuous problem for Nebraska this year, not, not only when it's ahead. The, uh, the the scoreboard, I believe, reads fifty nine to six mm-hmm. in the second half of games this year, uh, all all six quarters. So uh, something needs to be done uh, pretty quick for Nebraska to uh, to improve its performance after halftime. Mitch Sherman's with us from the Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, a thought on what you uh, what you what you make of McCaffrey and his performance Saturday? Uh, I thought there was probably more good than bad. Turned it over one time when he was hit uh, in the second half on a on a throw, um, hit hit while throwing. Otherwise, took pretty good care of the ball. Uh, even on the left-handed throw, you know, it looked somewhat under control. Not a whole lot different than an option pitch that you might have seen from Nebraska quarterbacks in years past. So um, he's a good enough athlete to be able to do things like that, improvise. It's not always going to work well, but I think take that and and you know that you're going to get that kind of stuff with him and he's going to make some big plays because of things like that and that was a big play right there it was a third down conversion that nebraska needed on a drive where it scored points so uh, i was i was impressed with his composure he talked about being nervous before the game and you couldn't really tell it on that first drive he looked really strong on the first drive and that that was i think the nebraska offense as it envisions it with Luke McCaffrey in, in, in charge, uh, doing the kinds of things that he did to march Nebraska down 75 yards on that first possession, and even on the second possession after Cam Taylor Britt's uh, interception, um, you know he found Cade Warner in the back of the end zone on the third down throw. It should have been 14 to nothing. So uh, he did a lot of good things, I thought, and then he looked at times like a guy who was starting his first game against a good defense. Mitch, uh, last thought here, and it's fun to chat Husker ball with you. When, when you look at Illinois, I know they won. They hit a field goal at the buzzer against Rutgers. You know, what do you make of, of Lovey, the beardless Lovey, and 
what do you make of of this team coming in Saturday? I know a lot of it's about Nebraska, but where is Illinois dangerous? About a minute and a half here, in your opinion. Well, um, you know, Illinois is, is going to get Brandon Peters, starting quarterback, the Michigan transfer back from COVID protocol this week. He's missed the last couple of games, and that, that makes things difficult for Nebraska and knowing what to prepare for because the freshman Isaiah Williams was out there against Rutgers on Saturday and ran for almost 200 yards. Um, so much like Penn State against Nebraska a week ago had to prepare for two quarterbacks, Nebraska is going to have to do a lot of that against Illinois. And you can't assume that Peters is going to be rusty uh, coming off this time. Um, you know, you saw with Graham Mertz coming out of, uh, out of COVID protocol, he, gets, he got practice time, quite a bit of practice time. And that, that's what that 21 days allows, is it allows you to get back in and get acclimated and get more practice time than you might see with a guy like Trevor Lawrence this week, um, who's only had 14 days off. I think these guys are not rusty when they come back. And so I would expect Peters to be sharp out there. And I think, I think he's going to be the guy who takes most of the snaps. I do think that, that Williams, the freshman, will play, and, and they'll bring him in to do some of the stuff that he did successfully against Rutgers last week. But um, you know, I would think that Nebraska is going to get a familiar guy with Peters who had some success, especially in the first half last year, against Nebraska out in Champaign. So Illinois is no pushover, and they hit, the, they hit hard. Um, you heard you've heard Nebraska offensive coaches talk quite a bit how, about how hard and physical that game was a year ago. So I'd expect a lot of the same on the defensive side from Lovey Smith's team. Mitch Sherman with the Athletic. You read him there and you follow him on Twitter at Mitch Sherman. Mitch, good to talk some football today, and we'll hit more off roading another time. Okay, yeah, I'll be prepared and, and uh, I'll try to find some off roading uh, uh, content for you. <laughs> You're good. Take care, man. Thanks for the time. Thanks. You know. Elijah, you an off-roader? No. No? no. That's, that's a no. We'll hear from Coach Chinander next. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Good stuff from Mitch Sherman. Uh, Elijah will get that posted on the on-demand portion, ESPNLincoln.com. And uh, we'll have the full interview up also on ESPN Lincoln Twitter podcast with Hale Varsity Radio. It's on the network page, HaleVarsity.com, and subscribe to us. Give us a rating and a uh, comment if you want. can do so on iTunes. can do so on Spotify, Hale Varsity Radio, or Google Play. Numbers to get in, 466-377-6800-825-5865. So DeAndre Hopkins on Twitter has a iconic photo. His Twitter has a picture of him rising up over three bills, clutching the football on the Hail Mary from Kyler Murray. And he says the best meme gets a signed jersey. And much like Elijah's play that he's reviewing, I cannot get into some of the memes or commentary on it, but they're pretty good. So that's pretty cool of of, of uh, DeAndre Hopkins. I'm going to give some fan a signed jersey, and there's been 4,322 responses as we speak. Not too shabby. So we'll hear from Coach Chenander, his take on the black shirts they have been handed out in a moment. First, Connor Culp, the Nebraska kicker. And uh, this was Mitch Sherman's question. We talked off-roading because Connor had his truck ripped from him after he lost his keys and two yahoos took his car, his truck, beg your pardon, off-roading. 
he got it back with two flat tires, but it was uh, probably pretty uh, pretty stressful for him. But he kind of laid out how how his weekend went. We've all no, I shouldn't say we all have. Some of us have forgotten where we parked the night before. When we go looking for our car the next day after a rideshare home, all he did was want to get in his truck and go home after a win. And uh, here is Connor Colt. My truck actually didn't fit in the parking garage at the Cornhusker, so they gave me a bus pass to park in the bus lane. And um, they found it about a mile away from the Cornhusker. And uh, people that took it took it off-roading, enjoyed themselves a little bit. And then, um, unfortunately, got two flat tires out of it. But I'd rather rather take that than having a totaled truck. So, amen. The 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 beer is half full. I got it back with with just two flats. I mean, this is the first time I've heard Connor speak, and I don't know how this kid hasn't been here for like four years. He he just sounds so Nebraskan. And do, do you see his outfit today? Yeah, he's all camoed up. All it's like he's hunting out. with Searles or something. And he's got like a little Western Nebraska twang when he's talking. He's got a, a big truck that gets taken. I mean, this kid is Nebraska through and through. Sure. <laughs> well, he's got his truck back, and there's not a whole lot of time. Thank you, Big Ten, for, for hunting. I mean, you can go hunting and I'm sure watch the game on your phone. But, I mean, guys can't, like, take a breather and go get any deer now. And I've, I've, like, I've never been deer hunting, but I just eat everyone else's deer jerky. I'm that guy. I want to go deer hunting sometime. Say, I've always wanted to go uh, bow hunting for deer. Sure. That would be sweet. That sounds sick. But uh, I will say about Connor, um, got to be nice for him when he's out, like, ranging in his, his gun or anything, because he can just... Uh, does you need like the clay targets can just kick a football up in the air himself and shoot it. sure yeah. right that's <laughs> you, you just make sure they're old footballs <laughs> right so let's hear from uh, coach Chenander uh, when it comes to the black shirts we played some Husker social media for you early to start the show and uh, that was Adrian's pregame speech to his teammates that was Frost's post game uh, when it comes to dealing with success and getting over that hump and building on it. This is Coach Shenander going old school with, all right, no cameras, no lights, no action. Because there's been a big production, because we love it as fans, right? You love it as fans. I mean, who will forget seeing a, a, a black shirt become a black shirt for the first time? Where they walk to their locker and it's hanging there. Or they're getting handed out. Or the surprise. I mean, that's really cool for Nebraska fans to see behind the curtain. But if you talk to some of the old school guys, and Coach McBride was pretty adamant last night when we talked to him just about how it's not about just a number, right? It's not just the starters. I mean, there are situational instances where guys have played on a defense and contributed, and they were black shirts. But here is Coach Chenander, and it was uh, it was kind of a, a inner circle type deal for uh, this 2020 group getting their black shirts. We did give out some black shirts this week. Uh, I thought the guys, you know, they, they finally practiced the way we wanted them to last week, and, and you know, we had a, a 
pretty good performance in the black shirts need to set a new standard um, to be honest with you you know if you want to if you want to ask the guys about it that's fine I think that we we live in a in a world where um, the black shirts mean more to me than than social media and Twitter doesn't have to know about everything and you know, and I think it's a special thing right now. And I think, you know, if you want to ask those kids about who got them, that's great. Um, but right now, it's a, it's it's an it's an in-house kind of situation where um, this tradition just means more to me than than having to put everything on social media right now. Well, and and I think that's okay, right? And not everything needs to be for all of our eyes and all of our consumption. Now, from a marketing and branding standpoint, yeah, that's big. Uh, some future recruit may get interested in Nebraska by seeing a black shirt video that can also be shown over Zoom by a coach about the black shirt tradition. Public consumption versus private announcement. I'm all right with it because ultimately... What's the standard? Have the guys earned it? And you heard Coach Chenander say, look, they're practicing the way we want them to practice. And there's still some standards being developed and that need to be hit. And I think that's part of the growing pains, part of the youth, and quite honestly, part of the reason is, what, 59-6 to in the second half. There's still just some inconsistency with his football team because of the youth and guys are in the process of getting better. Coach Chenander was asked about getting outscored in the second half. Do we have time? Really close. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think you're always trying to figure out, you know, what, what your deficiencies are. Um, you know, how can you make things better? Um, you know, a big focus for us last week was starting fast and not, let, not um, you know, getting off the field early on the first, uh, first drive of the game and the first drive of the second half, which we've done, and now we just have to finish, finish football games. And I think we did a good job at the end of the game. It was now it's kind of turned into the focus of, you know, in the, in the middle in the middle of the third quarter to kind of the middle of the fourth quarter um, and just, just playing with the same intensity that we play with throughout that first half and throughout the beginning of the third quarter. Um, I don't think it's it's scheme or anything like that. I think it's just we've got to be dialed in and we've got to play complementary football. And that's, you know, when the offense gets a three and out, defense got to get the ball back. You know, when the defense gets a turnover, offense, you know, they have to score a touchdown. When there's a good or bad play on special teams, offense or defense have to respond. Um, so complementary football is a, is a huge, a huge piece to finishing football games, especially in the second half. Got to be complimentary, and it's it's not been the case. It's not been a, a full game of compliments. We'll wind down hour one. Ron Brown's coming up. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time winding down this first hour. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We'll talk to Rick Pizzo, Big Ten Buffet. There is such a good weekend of Big Ten football. Nebraska handling success on our minds Saturday. Also, Michigan, uh, they are a freak show. We'll talk with Pizzo about what's going on with Harbaugh, Camp Harbaugh. And you've got your uh, kind of your divisional championships, honestly, with Wisconsin and Northwestern for the West. And uh, Indiana heads to Ohio State. I want to remind you about buckling up. 
Nearly 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska are not wearing a seatbelt. If used properly, seatbelts can reduce the risk of fatal injury by 60%. Your best defense in any crash, buckling up. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Let's uh, spend a second here on, you know, post-halftime. Because that's that's been a topic. We hit on it quite a bit Saturday. We uh, walked away from the Penn State-Nebraska game with the, hey, you're going to take this win and run because it could be something bigger and greater, that learning how to win, that taste of success, that building on it. And I think Nebraska will approach it the right way this week just because of their history with Illinois. Some of these guys have been on the team where they lost, not many, but they were probably being recruited in the program when they lost to Illinois and Geronimo Allison got it done in the end zone and you blew a 13 nothing lead and that was 2015 so maybe maybe not but the point of it is they were all in Champaign last year where that thing was dire and the offense had to put a bunch of points together and Nebraska got Ferguson quite a bit I mean their tailback Ferguson was incredible and Peters was not great in the fourth quarter. I mean, he just didn't make some throws. Nebraska won a shootout, and that game was supposed to be cakewalk for Nebraska. It wasn't. And they almost got stung by Illinois. Now, it turned out Illinois is a pretty good football team that went bowling, uh, an Illinois football team that, that won at the buzzer against Wisconsin, big bad Wisconsin. And what have we seen Illinois do to Nebraska during the Riley era? And even last year, uh, as Scott Frost said, knocked the crap out of us. They're fast and physical and tough on defense. Hobbs is really a dude's a bowling ball that takes people's heads off. So, you know what? Illinois is going to come in, too. And, and, and with Isaiah Williams, that dude's a nightmare if you're not doing your job trying to defend in the zone read game. As, as, as much as he went off, and I know Rutgers ain't great either, but they got a bunch of athletes Elijah uh, Rutgers does that that Chiano inherited for Illinois to go pull a win out like that on the roads. I'd say that's nothing to sneeze at. But I'd still say this is an Illinois team that Nebraska should beat. We we talked Nebraska so much. should beat. Nebraska should cover. We don't we don't quite trust Nebraska with success, do we? No. I mean, well, we we talked before the Northwestern game about Nebraska turning the page and beating those teams that you're supposed to beat. And traditionally, Northwestern is that team. I don't think they are this year. Mm-hmm. It's a dang good Northwestern team. But this Illinois team is 100 percent in the category of a team that you are better than, and a team that if you go in and do your job, you should beat. Well, you know, seeing a second game with McCaffrey, seeing a second game uh, with the offense, and listen, it's it's a it's a third game now where you've got some young pups at wide receiver that are going to see time. Who continues to step forward, and who uh, who continues to make some plays? We'll talk Big Ten here with Rick Pizzo, Ron Brown, next hour on Hale Varsity. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. 
Back with you, Tower 2 at Tale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, and it's Big Ten Buffet time. Rick Pizzo's with us. Rick, uh, we can chuckle, right, as we uh, get longer in experience or years. Having to turn to our kids for for technology help uh, is is your uh, your little one is uh, financially flamboyant as mine when it comes to to fixing tech problems. Oh, there's no question. The first answer is always, "Sure, Dad, I can help," and the second is almost always, "How much will you pay me?" <laughs> I said, "You know what, man? What about the food that's on the table? And college is coming in five years. That stuff doesn't matter." But you know what? I think. We probably have a little bit of revisionist thinking in history. I'm sure we did the exact same thing to our parents when we were that age, too. We tried, didn't we? we yeah, and failed. And failed. We absolutely tried. Rick, what a, what a weekend it's going to be in the Big Ten and a lot to cover. And I want to start off with, with Michigan before we kind of hit Nebraska-Penn State and just your observation. Wisconsin looked amazing. Yes. They also had two weeks off, and this was uh, as tough of a, a duty as it as it was for Michigan. Uh, this was their get right game, and they got annihilated at home. What's what's going on in Ann Arbor? Well, I think you had a couple things, right? I think you did face a really good team in Wisconsin, and we're not going to take anything away from the Badgers. They deserve a ton of credit. Graham Mertz is clearly proving to be everything that he was built up to be, and even more. There's no doubt about that. I think the bigger concern with Michigan comes with their defense and the seemingly stubborn refusal to change what's not working. And I understand that defensive coordinators are born and bred a certain way. And when they have success doing something in Michigan's case, kind of man to man, single press coverage, you want to stick with it. It hasn't worked and it hasn't worked for a while. I'm not sure if you've seen these stats, but Michigan has allowed 24 points or more in six consecutive games. It's the first time that's ever happened in program history. Now, to me, if you're trying to build a program, as Jim Harbaugh has often said he is, based around defense, a run game, and toughness, and defense is the first aspect of that trio, you have to figure out what's going on. I just I don't know right now what can be fixed. I mean, Harbaugh seems to say every week, Chris, we have to get back to basics. Right now, I'm not really sure what those basics are. Rick Pizzo's with us, Big Ten Buffet. I, there, there's a fine line of, of trying to coach up the, the talent you have and get them better, even though you, air quote, take some lumps, right? But how long yep. do you stick with something if guys aren't, aren't able or they're, they're not getting home? I mean, if you're going to play press man, uh, then you're hoping you're going get to a, get a linebacker or you get great front four pressure. And it really doesn't matter because Wisconsin's just running it down your throat anyway, and then they they just bleed you to death on play action or they find the tight end. I mean, they were in the zone with their play calling, and their offensive line was as good as advertised. Well, I think also that was the worst matchup for Michigan at that point that, that Michigan could have ever faced. You're a stout offensive line, right? Mm. So you're not going to get home as often as you want. A quarterback who is sneaky mobile. Mertz is obviously not a true dual threat, but he's a really good passer who can run the football really well. You have a tight end in Jake Ferguson that's one of the best in the country, and so that forces the linebackers who would love to blitz under Don Brown's defense to have to keep an eye on Ferguson, and Ferguson even had himself a good game. So when you talk about matchup-wise, I think that's what makes Wisconsin so dangerous. We focused so much right on the Badgers losing Jonathan Taylor, 
That's true, but give Paul Christ and Joe Rudolph, the offensive coordinator, a ton of credit because they're finding other ways to use their strength without having that bread-and-butter dominant running back that they've had nearly every year since we started covering Wisconsin at Big Ten Network. You know, Wisconsin just kind of reloads, don't they, at the I-back spot? I mean, they there there's differences, I mean, between Ron Dane and Jonathan Taylor, really, really awesome grades or, or ball, uh, you know, a few years back or, or, or Gordon. I mean, we can just name off guys in the league. But they always have the, the next man up running the football. And uh, when you get that mix of offense and defense and they're just so sound on special teams, they're, uh, they're looking really good. Uh, let's get your thoughts on Nebraska-Penn State. It looked great for a half. Nebraska hung on for dear life in the second half. But maybe the way I've kind of been spinning it is, is a necessary evil. Nebraska needed to finish a game like that against a big-time opponent. It would have been great for Nebraska fans to keep putting the points up. That didn't happen. Penn State's really talented, and credit them for uh, for coming back because it, you know we were all thinking in the press box, you know, Penn State's done. They're going to tap out. Well, they weren't, and they did a great job of fighting for four quarters. But what's your takeaway on McCaffrey and and the win for Nebraska? Yeah, the number one takeaway is what you and I spoke about last week. What comes first? The belief that you can win, which oftentimes doesn't come until you close out one of those games or actually closing out one of those games. I think Nebraska got both checked in one game because they had the big lead, because Penn State had a chance to tie it late, and because Nebraska found a way to shut them down when it needed it most. Now, now the second half, yes, was far from perfect, but I think you expected the Penn State comeback, right? You change quarterbacks. Will Levis comes in, a little bit of a different look, though he's very similar to Sean Clifford, and you get the spark that you expect the backup quarterback to give. Now, to Nebraska's credit, when that defense had to bow up late in the game and Penn State had a chance to tie it up, that defense bowed up and did exactly what it had to do So I I think this is a huge step mentally, emotionally, and I think it is a step, as I've kind of thought it would potentially be for a while, toward Luke McCaffrey running this offense. And listen, I don't think that in any way, shape, or form that Scott Frost made this decision, he didn't make it quickly. He didn't make it haphazard. But, you know, he didn't – if he had had his choice, he wouldn't have wanted to have to make this decision, but I think he did. And I think when you have a guy who goes in on his first start, plays the way that he plays – led the team the way that he did lead the team, I think now it probably has to be his team going forward barring a really bad performance or injury. You know, and McCaffrey is is a guy that guys play for, and he's got that, that it, that energy that you've heard the coaches and teammates talk about, and there's some improv in there. Rick, when we get into Nebraska's passing attack, you saw a new wrinkle with Xavier Betts. It was a pop pass, you know, a glorified handoff, but it counts as Nebraska's best downfield yep. <laughs> downfield throw, right? 45 yards. But, uh, you know, that that's kind of the next step. As Nebraska's season's gone on, uh, they, they ran the ball well against Ohio State, didn't play Wisconsin. That kind of looks like a blessing now, to be honest with you. Uh, Northwestern was very stout, and then Penn State, really, kind of put the screws to Nebraska, and you saw a lot of Wandale Robinson, who's just a freak athlete, and you got to get him the football. But, you know, what, what's your takeaway with Nebraska's offensive line? Uh, are there some questions you may have about that group, or is it just, look, you played maybe three of the best defenses, not just in the league, but maybe top 15, top 10, top 
top 20-ish type defenses overall. Yeah, I think it's probably more the latter than the former. You played some really good defenses. And listen, the ability to get the ball to different guys in different ways, that's the wave of college football right now. You can't simply drop back and pass and run post patterns and fly patterns and go patterns and then try to run the ball for three or four yards. Even look at Wisconsin. People like to say, oh, they just run the ball between the tackles. They really kind of perfected that jet sweep before anybody else with Melvin Gordon and going around the end. I mean, that's not between the tackles. That's using what you have but finding different ways to use it to keep opposing defenses off guard. And that's exactly what Scott Frost did at UCF. That's exactly what he has to do at Nebraska, and that is going to be developmental. That's why years ago I said this was going to be a five-year process. It doesn't happen in two. It doesn't happen in three. It's a five-year process to not just get the guys in a full recruiting cycle that you have in, but to be able to install different plays, different looks, to adjust the defenses that as a head coach and as a staff you've never seen before. That is still happening. Folks may want to say, well, it should be done by now. That's not true. College football evolves every year. Even if you're a coach who's been in a program for 10, 20 years, you need to continue to evolve. Scott's just in the beginning of that process, and that evolutionary process offensively is just starting. It's going to get there. That finding ways to get the ball to different guys in different positions in different ways, that's just part and parcel of what you have to do right now to be a successful offense in college football. Big Ten Buffet, it's Rick Pizzo, Hale Varsity Radio at BTN. Rick Pizzo is where you find him on Twitter. You watch him throughout the week on BTN. And, uh, of course, coverage uh, on the weekend with uh, college football. So, Rick, uh, a thought on some of this weekend's matchup before we talk some Big Ten basketball. Iowa's at Penn State, and Iowa's looking rejuvenated. They look really sound in the run game. Their defense is, is phenomenal. Penn State uh, is in a really rough spot at 0-4, but you can see the talent there. This one's going to be maybe another tight one between Iowa and Penn State. They always seem to play it close together. Yeah, I'm on my way to State College, actually, to work sidelines for that game this weekend. And I think one of the most interesting matchups is a running back that we're just not talking about enough, and that's Tyler Goodson from Iowa. I mean, he's a guy who can really do everything. He catches the ball out of the backfield. He's an explosive runner on the corners with the ball in his hand. He can get to the edge and make guys miss. And I think that's going to be the challenge for Penn State. Can you force Spencer Petras to be the guy to beat you? Because if you allow Tyler Goodson to control the tempo, control the line of scrimmage, and then Iowa can do what it's done for, what, 22 years under Kirk Ferentz, right, which is control the clock, keep the tempo the way that they want it, run the football, win games late and ugly, that's Iowa's way to win this game. For Penn State, you have to go the exact opposite way. You have to force Iowa's pass game to beat you because – Petrus has been good at times, but he's also made a lot of mistakes. And if you pressure him, that's how you force mistakes. That's going to be the key for Penn State in this game. Let's talk Ohio State-Indiana, top 10 matchup. Buckeyes, number three in the country, Indiana in that top 10 uh, region. And Indiana's just, uh, man, a, a fun program to watch, handle their business on the road. They could have been looking ahead. Nope, they played some defense. They ran the football. They chucked the football around and coach allen's got his squad i mean this is for your east lead and ohio state's a big favorite here but you know do you, do you expect indiana to be uh i don't want to say scared of the moment but in awe of the moment or do you think they'll be ready mentally for going into the shoe yeah you know i, I don't expect them to be scared or overwhelmed i mean 
Tom Allen is the perfect head coach for this program at the perfect time. Mm -hmm. He's not just energetic and enthusiastic. We can all see that, but he has so much belief in his players that it's contagious within that locker room. They can't help but believe that they can beat anybody in the Big Ten, and they truly do believe that. Now, Ohio State is a three-touchdown favorite, which goes to show you what people think of Ohio State and just how explosive this offense is, but that doesn't take anything away from Indiana. Indiana is not just happy to be there. Indiana has an all-Big Ten caliber quarterback in Michael Penix, who I think in the non-Justin Fields division is probably the midseason MVP. You have a legit running back in Stevie Scott, two terrific wide receivers in Wap Fillier and Ty Freifogel. I think offensively, Indiana is going to be just fine. The question is defensively, after losing the linebacker, Tom Allen's son, Thomas, last week, the season-ending hip injury, where is that defense going to be against an offense that is going to test the Hoosiers like they haven't been tested all year long? Northwestern and Wisconsin, this is a uh, a tough road spot. Wisconsin and Paul Christ beat everybody, but uh, if they do slip up, it's usually been at Ryan Field. And uh, another tight ball game, this, uh, the other side of the division here for the West lead. What are you looking at with this matchup? You know, we like to joke around that Pat Fitzgerald tells the groundskeepers to let the grass grow anytime Wisconsin comes to Ryan Field. Like, let it get like six, seven inches. Slow down those backs and those jet sweeps coming out of the backfield, right? Listen, Nebraska or uh, Northwestern mm-hmm. defensively, I think, is probably as fundamentally sound as any team defensively that I can remember seeing in the past decade. I mean, they just don't make mistakes, and that's exactly what Mike Hankwitz, Urban Meyer, called him the doctor of fundamentals, the defensive coordinator. I mean, he's just so good at getting those guys in the right spots at the right times and making the right play calls. The question, again, here is offensively, can Northwestern, if Wisconsin is able to do half of what it did against Michigan. Can Northwestern offensively keep pace against the Wisconsin defense? That It's unbelievable, Chris. You, you talk about the fact that the Badgers seem to reload every year at running back after losing, you know, all pro guys in the NFL. How about what they do at defense? I mean, they lose, you know, J.J. Watt and uh, linebacker after linebacker, Chris Borland to the NFL, and the very next year they're just as good on defense. So I think that's going to be the key for Northwestern. Can you be explosive enough with Peyton Ramsey and Isaiah Bowser so that you don't have to score 40 points to win this game because scoring 40 points against Wisconsin is going to be awfully tough. Rick Pizzo's with us. Rick, uh, still waiting on the Big Ten basketball schedule and uh, some non-conference stuff, but what's your outlook for, for Coach Hoiberg's squad? I know it's a lot of new faces. I know it's a lot of guys who had to sit out last year, but you know, how much better do you think Nebraska can be this season in, in, in the Big Ten? Yeah, I think they can be significantly better, but I also think, Chris, that this is a great opportunity, right? This is a situation that no one has ever dealt with before. So how do teams look coming off the COVID preseason training camp? How do teams look when you get into Big Ten play and you've only played six non-conference games? That seems to be kind of the number that everybody's looking at before they get into conference play. There'll be, a, I think, a non-conference game sprinkled in here or there for a couple of teams maybe in late December. But you're also talking about a December 13th start, right? How early that is. And now there's not that quick start and then a break. There's the start and you are rolling into Big Ten play. So to me, for a team like Nebraska that's bringing in a bunch of guys who didn't play last year, that, as we all knew, was going to be transfer heavy, at least the 
start of Fred Hoiberg's era. This is a great opportunity because, you know how they say that bad weather kind of evens the playing field when you're outside and one team is significantly more talented than another? I think COVID's evening the playing field, especially in college basketball. My true hope, Chris, and fingers crossed, is that we're able to get through the most of college basketball season because I'll be honest with you, I think it's going to be a lot more of a challenge than college football season's been. I think you're right on. Rick, always great to chat. Thanks for a few minutes. My pleasure, Smitty. Take care, buddy. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, pre-teen Swedish boy. Back in at Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Big time win for Nebraska over Penn State. We welcome in longtime assistant coach at Nebraska, and Director of Player Development at Nebraska. Ron Brown's back with us. Coach, how we doing? Hey, Schmitty. How you doing, buddy? I'm all right. So take me through Saturday as you were there, and what's what's one thing you take away from Saturday? I know the win, but is there a moment that, that sticks out to you from Saturday? Yeah, no fans, uh, or very few fans, I should say. You know, uh, most of the fans, are, other than the players' families, were watching from uh, or on TV or listening on the radio. So we appreciate the fan support, even though you all couldn't be totally with us. That was weird. That was really strange. I know in some stadiums that's kind of a common stance, but at Nebraska, we're used to a full stadium. But nevertheless, uh a fun game, uh, a game that, uh, you know, we didn't really step on Penn State's neck uh, early on. We had them down by quite a bit. Um, we allowed them to get back in the game slowly but surely. It turned out to be quite a game. But uh, kids stepped up uh, at some really crucial times, and uh, we were pleased of the uh, of the finish, but particularly the way our defense, you know, they, those guys were on the field quite a bit. Uh, Penn State had quite a bit more possession time of the football than we did so our defense was out there quite quite a bit uh, even at the very end but yet they they had they, they showed great resiliency and made plays when they had to Ron Brown's with us Hale Varsity Radio what what can a win like that do where you're up and then you got to hang on and you know how tight the Big 10 is coach uh, I mean mm-hmm. it feels like every weekend there's always a, a one possession uh, type setup where momentum will shift or it does come down to a one possession score and that's your final. What what can that do from a, uh, a, a springboard type standpoint getting a win in that fashion? Well, it's, it's obviously very um, it's going to develop great maturity in our players. And, you know, you got to think at times, Schmitty, we had we had sometimes eight freshmen out there on the field at one time at different times during the course of this game. We're a young football team. And I, I think a number of, uh, of our, our fan base and people know that. But, um, you know, I always uh, I always liken it to a baby. Think about uh, some of you out there had, had to, when your little ones were really little. Mm-hmm. And think about a life in the day of your baby boy, uh, Schmitty, you know, when he was a little guy. And one day meant, uh, I mean, that was like, that would be like a year for an adult. Just all that happens in one day for that young man. Well, imagine that for a freshman 
football player. It's the same thing. You know, one game, one quarter, uh, one scenario. It's 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 large. It looms large in their experience and in their maturity level. So that kind of a game, you're right. I mean, sovereignly by God's sovereign hand, it went the way it did. And I think in in the long run, it it adds a great deal of benefit, even though it uh, it causes the heart to 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 beat a whole lot faster than you want it to. Uh, it it was probably in the at the end of the day, great experience for our young players. This is, uh, I mean, each each player is different, but you talk about all the young kids that saw time and that are getting time. When you look at, at the, menta- the, the mentality they have, the, matru- the maturity they have, uh, is, is it fair to say that you've got a, a, a pretty mature group of young guys, or is that still kind of a work in progress as a whole? It's a work in progress as a whole, but they're, but they're coming along. And again, you know, even in even in the games this year that we played in, uh, those scenarios loom large. And then we have a number of players who are now juniors and seniors who have kind of gone through it. Uh, look at a guy like Ben Stilley, who made a huge sack uh, to close the game off uh, and to secure the victory for us. But I think about all that that guy's been through in the last uh, two years of the three years that we've been here, and uh, the way the tight games we've had. That you know, if you just look at all those little things that have taken place where uh, a loss could have been or should have been a win, um, that that. That, that gets into his bloodstream. And I'm not saying that's what causes him to make a great play at the end of the game, but I think it allows him and frees him up. It gives him access to those kinds of things because of what he's been through. So we are all subject to our experiences uh, in, in all facets of life. No matter what you do for a living, um, you know, you're going to be a product in many ways of the experiences that you've been through. And it isn't just, well, the experience automatically does something good for you. It's whether you learn from it and grow from it. And I think that uh, the kinds of things that have happened to our program here in the last three years uh, definitely uh, has benefited our players. Ron Brown's with us. Few minutes. Hail Varsity Radio. Longtime assistant at Nebraska. Director of player development. And uh, you look for energy and, and a spark and something good to happen on the field because I think Nebraska fans know that the work's been done off the field. And it's been been just so crazy. And since we last talked, we weren't sure if football was going to happen. And then you got football. And then it's kind of a slam together situation where it's right into the deep end of the pool with conference play how how is the staff and and how has the the team been able to navigate that yeah there's joy that there's football but you're not really easing into anything no but you know schmitty sometimes um i i have a i have a saying that i've that i've loved for the last few years uh when friction turns into traction sure great things happen. And that's really what friction should turn into if you're taking the right attitude. And it's it's the whole it's the whole picture of a slippery icy road. How do you get that icy road to be tire friendly, car friendly? Well, you 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 have to have a machine or or a truck that comes in and just grinds that ice up and, and turns it into a slushy uh, tr- traction. And that's what it is. The friction 
has has got to that friction of the of the digging up of the ice turns into your traction, and that's really what's happened in the last couple of years. It, there's a closeness that comes together. There's a bonding. We've gone through some really difficult losses together. Lots of criticism together. A pandemic together. Um, social and racial and all kinds of unjust in the culture. A, a, a presidential election where we had a whole day off to go out and elect a president. All that all that kind of stuff has gone on here. Uh, with these players. We've had a lot of private talks with our players. We've had a lot of tears. We've had, uh, you know, we've had to kind of work through some things on our own team. I mean, this is a, a laboratory of love here. And I think when, when, you, when you go through all that stuff together, you come out with bond, bonding and friendships that will last forever, but also a chemistry on the football field that, uh, that, that breeds confidence. I think, you know, practically speaking, when you look at our schedule so far, people are like, oh, man, Nebraska's got a tough schedule. They were probably, you know, why did, they, why did Nebraska have to get such a tough schedule? Well, you know, I think it's benefited us, Smitty. I, think, I look at it from the offensive point of view, we may we have played three really good defensive football teams. Ohio State, Northwestern, and Penn State are very underrated defense. Penn State has some terrific athletes on defense. I mean, they, they, they really have a lot of talent. So when you look at it, um, not to say that we can coast into the rest of the season, but I'll tell you, these first three games have been eye-openers for us. They've been difficult. They've been tough. Um, but they're maturing. I'm telling you, they're maturing us because it's been very competitive, and the teams that we've played are very good. Ron Brown's with us, Hale City Radio, Coach. Uh, how did you approach the dynamic when when you were coaching of of being really demanding because guys didn't get on the field for you as a running back, as a tight end, as a wide receiver without being able to do what you asked of them and what they could do offensively but also kind of stay positive with them. So, you know what, you, you are getting better. We're working through this together. That's a tough dynamic to, to be demanding, and a kid wants to play right now, but he's got to be ready, and you still got to keep coaching him up and being positive. How do you, how do you make that stew taste good? Well, you know, hopefully, you know, Schmitty, you, you have uh, you, you've brought to the table what love looks like. And love doesn't look like just kissing a kid's tail, putting his arm, putting your arms around him when he's done wrong, as if nothing's happened, uh, flattering him in the recruiting process, uh, lowering the rim to to lower the standards for a really good player versus a guy who's not so good. That's baloney. Mm-hmm. And and I think um, all of that, you know, I was raised by Coach Osborne in this profession, and I and I really appreciate it. And and so wasn't Coach Frost. Mm-hmm. And and you know what, uh, the idea of keeping a high standard by by stressing and and emphasizing little things by not allowing calculated loafs on or off the field in the classroom. You know, none of this. You know, I'm just sitting there. I'm a football player, and somebody will get me through this. I think holding high standards on little things, on physicality on the football field, being the most demanding, most physical player that you can possibly be, um, that, that there are no just born superstars here where, where the, the prima donnas get the, uh, the easy road and the, the walk-ons or the kids who are backup players get the hard road. No, it's baloney. I mean, love uh, it doesn't, doesn't include partiality or prejudice. 
there's a standard that everyone has to meet, and a great coach will help a player meet a standard, not lower the bar for them to make, meet a false standard. So that's what this program, to me, has always been. It's, it's why I love Nebraska. The people are that way, the fan base in this state. That's how they live their lives as well. So uh, I, I think when, when the culture that we have in this state and on our football team is, is maximized like that, um, and we're getting back to that, um, I think there are really good things ahead. Ron Brown's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, a uh, thought on the quarterback situation. Uh, what have you been able to see from, from that position group when it comes to, to not only great competition but also support in that room for one another? Well, it's just, uh, you know, just a very mature room. I've just told, I told Mario the other day, man, I was really, just really impressed with his kids and uh, the approach that they take and the business-like mentality that they have, the love and the friendships that they authentically, that they have for one another, the work ethic that they have. Um, it's been, uh, it's been tremendous. And so we get, we get a lot of production out of that, out of that position. We've had, uh, we have very good players there. Ron Brown's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, always great to get caught up and spend a few minutes with you. And uh, thanks for, for giving us a few minutes uh, again. It's always fun to talk some ball with you. Thanks for having me, Schmitty. I appreciate you, man. God bless you. Thanks for having me on. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. That was a good sit-down with Ron Brown, a longtime Nebraska assistant coach, almost a quarter of a century, under Coach Osborne, Coach Pallini, and uh, Director of Player Personnel. Player development, I should say, uh, is uh, where Ron spends a lot of his time and some great perspective, not only in the quarterback room, but also that standard young guys got to hit that rim, that, that height of rim to touch to get on the field. And just the, the, the prospect you've heard from Coach Frost, but the, the building on the winning. So be sure to check out Ron Brown, sit down. Here on Hale Varsity Radio, if you just cut part of that, or you want to hear it again, it'll be on the uh, ESPN On Demand section. Elijah also going to tweet that out. Yeah, I, I just pressed a, a post on that segment, so it should be up here in the next 30 seconds if you missed Beautiful. it. Beautiful. You're awesome. Uh, ESPN Lincoln uh, is the Twitter handle, and uh, the show, Hale Varsity Radio, get the podcast, give us a review and a rating. We'd love to hear your thoughts, uh, uh, iTunes, of course, or the uh, the network page on HaleVarsity.com, Google Play, or, yes, Spotify. Open phones here till 646-377-6800-825-5865. So let's talk a little bit here about moving forward for Saturday for Nebraska football. You've got the topic of defensive performance. The black shirts were handed out this week. And Coach Chenander was asked about defensive performance. What is a good defensive performance? And let's chew on that for a second, Elijah, before we hear from Coach Chenander. When I look at Saturday and I see Penn State and I see what they are in the recruiting world and more times than not than what they are on the field for four quarters, you beat them 
and the way Nebraska beat them, they tackled well. Uh, a few missed tackles here and there, but for the most part, they tackled well. And in that fourth quarter, I didn't see any missed tackles, honestly. Uh, I, th- I thought Nebraska did a really good job of tackling a, a pretty strong back in Ford. Uh, you had uh, Dodson with two catches. The guy who lit up Ohio State secondary, he ended up with two catches. Nebraska was really awesome in the red zone in the fourth quarter. And I know the number that's burned into your mind is 501. And 501 yards is a hell of a lot of yards. 91 plays, hell of a lot of plays. But for Nebraska to to kind of bow up like they did defensively and put a, a scoop and score in the end zone to get hits on a quarterback, he probably didn't spend a whole heck of a lot of time with film on because it was all Clifford. I think that was a good defensive performance. You held Penn State to 23 points. You put seven in the end zone yourself. You were good on special teams coverage. All right. And you tackled really, really well with the exception of a couple plays here and there. I thought Nebraska played smart, grown-up, tough, physical football. And listen, Penn State's usually handing out that punishment. Nebraska was really smacking people on the defensive side of the ball. So Coach Janander asked today, you know, what is a good defensive performance? Practice and then play added up to black shirts today. Well, number one thing is if we win the game, uh, that's pretty good. Um, you know, but you got to, I think you got to take into account what you're trying to, uh, what you're trying to get done. And every game's a little differently. Um, you know, there's, there's certain stats that everybody's judged on. You know, sometimes, sometimes, you know, you, you keep the points down, the yards are up. Sometimes the yards are way down and the points are up. And there's got to be a good balance. Um, you know, obviously we've, we've got to be, um, you know, a little better on third down, but we're taking the ball away right now and scoring points for our team. Um, so there, there's some good things happening and, and some not so good things happening and that we, we've got to get corrected. But, um, you know, overall, we need to keep the points down and we need to win football games. Nebraska is getting a lot of havoc plays. That's priority number one or 1A on this defense. Number one, the Big Ten's always stopped the run. I mean, how I'm evaluating this defensive performance is I don't want to look too deep into the numbers. The most important thing to me is, yeah, we gave up 501 yards of offense, but if I was an offense that got 501 yards and only put up 23 points, I would be disappointed in the offense. Or or I'm one for six in the red zone. Exactly, exactly. Touchdowns. It's little things. And yeah, did they give up 501 yards? Yeah, that's you can't argue Nebraska that. That's scouted, not Nebraska not only scouted, but they replicated. This was eerily similar for Penn State the last two seasons. So it's not that it hasn't been done before, but the fact you're able to replicate it and scout it and then execute it defensively with your back seven was big. Indiana got rolled up. I mean, Indiana had 35 points and 250 yards total offense. And in, in, in Penn State missed three field goals in the opener. And and they surged ahead after being down seventeen to three or whatever Penn State was, so they were up in that game to start the year twenty eight to twenty, instead of just kind of kneeling right. <laughs> could could rewrite this twenty twenty season a whole bunch of different ways, but Penn State went for a boatload of yards and overtime was was there and and Penn State couldn't get a stop on a two point conversion. 
last year, Penn State had a lot of opportunity against Minnesota. That was Minnesota's signature win a year ago against uh, a New Year's Day six squad in Penn State, right? Ohio State and, and Minnesota. Those were those are Penn State's two losses. They beat Michigan. They beat Iowa. They they were pretty impressive. So, what happened in that game? Penn State was a mess in the red zone and a mess with turnovers. So Nebraska did what other teams have done, but at least Nebraska replicated kind of a blueprint here. Can you get Penn State to be a mess in the red zone? Can you keep Penn State from knocking you out with some big plays on those 50-50 balls with some insane talent on the receiving in that receiving core? Yeah, and Nebraska's defense isn't built to, to stifle an offense. If, if you are on the field for 91 plays and you only give up 23 points, that's not a good defensive performance. That's a great defensive that's, performance. That's murder to be on the field 91 plays. Mm-hmm. So let's flip it around to the offensive side of the ball, and here's Coach Lubick on the topic of scoring in the second half. And do we have time for this? All right, let's squeeze it in. But, you know, that's been a topic of conversation, 59-6, to six, that disparity of what people are scoring and what Nebraska has put up, six whopping points in three games. I think any time you don't score points, you could always point to you can execute better. You know, I think that question is interesting. Yeah, I think part of it, you got to look at the uh, what the situation was. You know, we come out of halftime and you're up by 30 points. You play a little bit differently as if you're down by 30 points as far as just your mindset, scoring points, the whole deal. So I think each, each game is different. I know, um, you know, Ohio State, we came out in the first drive, of the game and scored. These guys would come out in the first drive and the game and scored. Uh, Northwestern, we came out in the first drive, drove it all the way down, had a penalty, um, but we're in we're in uh, field goal touchdown range. So our, our whether it's the first possession of a game or the first possession of the second half, there's not a lot of difference. I mean, at second half, you do go in, you make adjustments, uh, what has been working, what hasn't, why. You talk about it really fast, but you also stick to your guns. Hey, we game plan this. This is what they're showing. This is what we still need to call, and that's that's basically it, you know, as far as what the, the coach's mindset. Um, but, yeah, we, we like to score the ball every time score, every time we have the ball in the second half, there's there's no question. That's Matt Lubick, coach on uh, the second half offensive performance. We'll wind down a Tuesday on Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, it's Hail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt. Elijah Herbal. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence. So thanks to Ron Brown. Thanks to Rick Pizzo. Thanks to Mitch Sherman. Show is going to be posted on uh, the network page, HailVarsity.com. And uh, obviously subscribe to the show. Do so. iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And uh, it don't cost you nothing. You'll enjoy it. And uh, plenty of thoughts on Nebraska. Numbers to get in, 466-3776-80-825-5865. Brad Edwards, ESPN College Football Insider. Tomorrow, Mike Shuhart, Shuey, will give us his take on the Masters and DJ because Shuey called his shot and said, give me DJ. He did so last Wednesday. And I hope you all listen to Shuey. And uh, we'll catch up with Babbers. Mike Babcock going to join us. Talk Illinois 
at Nebraska. So aside from Dead Week and Project Week for you, are you uh, sneaking out anywhere? Or are you going to uh, just put yourself in the bunker in the basement? I, I think it's nose to the grindstone and just uh, get some stuff done before Friday. Once once I'm through Friday, next oh, so next are you week, doing finals week, out? very easy. What do you mean, for dinner? Yeah. Uh, we'll see. It might just be cereal, a lot of mac and cheese this week, most likely. Okay. Uh, whatever I can are make you, quickly. Like, I got to ask you, are you picky about your mac and cheese, or is it about how much mac and cheese I can get for X number of dollars? Junior has turned, and I don't know where he gets this, his mother, <laughs> uh, into a mac and cheese snob. Mm. There's only like one place that he'll want to go get it. And that's his favorite. And I'm not, I'm not talking takeout mac and cheese. I'm talking at home. And he tried to make it a couple of different times. But we're such loving parents that we don't always get through our milk before it expires. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he's trying to make mac and cheese. And the week, uh, the milk's like a week old. He just, hey, Dad, I can't make mac and cheese. It just tasted funny. I was like, well, did you check the freaking date, <laughs> jackass? See, oh, I, it was expired. Yeah, it's sour. It's bad for you. It's horrible. See, he, he hasn't experienced the, the college way, which is uh, you can't afford milk, so you're just going to add a little extra butter and maybe a little water. Well, you, you <laughs> got to do, do, do the old Michael Irvin, water and cereal. Well, well the key for me... Um, through these next two weeks is just have a little bit of shredded cheese in the fridge because then you can throw that in the mac and cheese. That's make what it you got to do, and you got to crust the top. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what's up. You I know do. what's up. And then, and then you can also take that shredded cheese and add it to frozen pizzas to make your frozen pizzas even better. You, you, you do it that way. And no, I mean, there's a whole process to this where I was like, here's, I, I made mac and cheese for him. It was this, it was the craft kind. Mm-hmm. Like growing up, grandma would always hook us up when it was, Thanksgiving time or whatever, she'd always make the Velveeta and she'd use like six blocks of Velveeta cheese for the mac and cheese and she'd do her special Grandma Schmidt mac and cheese or or Grandma Hunt would do that too. Six blocks of Velveeta. And it was just glorious. And then it was so crispy on top. And then then then, then when I'm making it with him, all right, so all right, dude, this is just the box gangster kind. It's horrible. So we're going to add bacon to it, and we're going to add some shredded cheese on top and kind of class this thing up. Mm, that sounds delicious. My take on it, I'll have to give you the recipe, is a barbecue mac. Yes. We add a little barbecue sauce to the cheese sauce and a little, like, sh- shredded pork or whatever. Think, yeah, you just you got to go shredded pork with it. Yeah. All right, go eat. Back at you tomorrow at 4. Thanks.